0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author, Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. We've learned on this show how destructive, how outright destructive lies can be. Just ask Adam and Eve. But today, Dr. Jennings suggests an equally destructive power accusation. It can destroy too. This program is sponsored by Common Reason Ministries, and Dr. Jennings is with us via Skype to share his thoughts on the destructive power of accusation. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know? Well, you know, Satan has a variety of powers as described in
1: Scripture, and we all know the power of lies. He's the father of lies. But his name, Satan, or Satan, means the accuser. And accusations are used to intimidate, to silence, to confuse, to incite guilt or fear or shame or cause a person to feel insecure, to discourage them or to defeat them in some way, to create a sense of hopelessness. It misrepresents and misleads and manipulates. You know, God never uses accusation. In Jude 9, it says, for even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Mm -hmm. So, no accusation, just speak. You have no role here. You have no authority here, but Satan is the accuser. And look at this world today and you see the power wielded all the time, the power of accusations. Nation states accuse each other of spying, cheating, election interference, human rights abuses, exploitation of people of color, environmental destruction, unfair trade practices, currency manipulation, and on and on and on the accusations go. Politicians, oh. have you ever seen a political <laughs> campaign without accusation? Oh, man, no. Constant accusations, and these accusations are designed purposely to defame, malign, disparage. They're not designed to bring truth to light. They're designed to manipulate both the person being accused to get them to react, get them to make a move, and to manipulate the public, the people who hear. And that public could be in a political campaign, the whole public. It could be in a church when accusations fly, to get people to choose sides on issues or for or against people. And we hear these accusations all the time. Accusations do not unite. Accusations are not testimony in a court of law. That is not what they are. Mm -hmm. Accusations are designed to make people feel defensive, feel under attack, to trigger fear, so that the person who hears the accusation will doubt, doubt themselves, Doubt their position, doubt the choices that they're making, doubt that maybe they'll be like to incite a sense of fear of embarrassment or fear of inadequacy. And that leads to a sense of, of insecurity and, and fear of what others will think of them and fear of rejection or losing position or power or respect. And, and that fear then leads to to the need to protect self. And and typically, we have to retaliate. We have to put up our defenses. And, and often, we retaliate with accusations against our accuser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it goes back and forth. Yeah, yeah.
0: You give a very good example, I've heard both in your books and all in the radio programs here, of how an accusation can actually affect someone's marriage and someone's relationship with someone they think they love. Can you share that with us? Well, the idea that somebody
1: could accuse your spouse of having an affair when they haven't. Right, right. And if you believe the accusation, it could cause all types of doubts and problems in the marriage. And that's an example of an accusation that you hear about another person. Right. But most of the time, we have difficulty dealing with accusations about ourselves. Mm. Oh, you don't love me. Mm. You don't care about me. I thought you love it. Parents get accused by their kids. Well, if you love me, you'd let me do it. You don't really love me, do you? Okay, there's an accusation. <laughs> yes. in that. You see the accusation to manipulate. Yeah. Okay, and people do this in relationships all the time. Oh, you don't, you don't really think I'm that pretty, do you? Mm. Oh, you think I'm fat, don't you? Okay, And there's an accusation in that, but it's their own insecurity being projected out and accusing the other person of, of somehow not caring in some way. And then the person needs to defend against that and, and say things that, that they maybe don't even believe or uh, do things that they didn't want to do. It, this is a trap that we fall into. And one of the best ways to deal with accusation that's directly coming at you is to recognize what Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good man brings forth good of the good sort up in him. Evil man brings forth evil. It's not just evil and good. It's just a principle of how reality works. Musicians bring forth music. Mathematicians like to talk about math. People bring forth what's in their hearts. And so when they're bringing forth accusation, they're actually revealing something about themselves. So what accusations do, it makes you feel attacked, right. you feel defensive, right. and the typical response to the accusation is to need to defend yourself. That's right. But if you were to look out your window into a parking lot and say you saw a 40-year-old man cursing at a five-year-old little girl, calling her the most foul names you've ever heard, screaming at the little girl, accusing her of all kinds of bad stuff, as you watch that, do you go, what a horrible little girl. Is that what you think?
0: <laughs> no, no, not, absolutely not.
1: No, it's so obvious that, that whatever is going on there, you don't know the details, but the man has a problem. Mm. That you know that that he's revealing there's something wrong with him. But what's the little girl feel like? Mm. What does she walk away feeling like? Mm. She will walk away feeling bad about herself, insecure. Okay, and that's what accusations are intended to do. And that happens in adult relationships as well. As you observe it, it's usually pretty clear. Unless you're observing it in the political landscape, I will tell you, I see people get manipulated by political accusations constantly. And if the accusations are in harmony with your own biases and prejudices already, then you're much more likely to jump on board with the accuser and rail against somebody. These are how mobs form, lynchings happen. Just accept the accusation without evidence. It's very destructive because when the accusations fit with our own preconceived ideas, biases, and so forth. So how you counter our personal accusations somebody's making an accusation against you, The knee-jerk response in marriages and relationships is to begin to explain yourself and defend yourself. Well, that's not what happened. Here, let me explain. as soon as you go down that trail, typically, with accusation, you've already lost. Because the accuser, when they accuse, are generally not actually interested in the truth. They're interested in manipulating you, to put you on the defensive, to make you feel insecure, to somehow control you in some way. A person who has concerns about you, for instance, somebody told them that you've done some wrong, You, you, you took something of theirs that wasn't theirs, and they're concerned about that, and it's your brother, sister, somebody in relationship, they would come to you and say, hey, this is what I've heard. I'm not accusing you. I want to give you the opportunity to clear the air. They're actually looking for the truth. That's a completely different thing than typically happens in relationships where they make all these allegations. Well, you don't care about me. You're mad. I can't rely on you. I thought you loved me. These types of accusations constantly. And so how you defend against these false accusations is you learn how to be, metaphorically speaking, a mirror, a mirror, you reflect the accusation back. Hmm. You don't defend it. And so if somebody had a bright light shining it in your eyes, you could ask them to turn it off. But if they don't turn it off, you could try to move, but they follow you and shine it in your eyes. If you've, pulled a bright light out and shined it in their eyes, that doesn't get the light out of your eyes. Right. And that's when you start making accusations and railing back. And these have the arguments: you said what you said, what you said, what you said. That's the bright light shining both ways. The approach, though, if you had a mirror and you could pull it out and hold the mirror between you and the person with the light, now you're in the shade and the light's in their eyes. Okay. Okay, that's the concept here. So when they accuse you, you say things like, wow, you seem really angry and distraught. Can you tell me what's got you so upset? Well, what's going on that you're making such derogatory and accusatory comments about me when you say you love me? What's that all about? Hmm. In other words, you reflect it back at them rather than defending it when they are non-substantive allegations. Even when they are substantive, it still is helpful to help the person calm down so you can deal with the actual substance
0: if there is an actual fact involved somewhere. Does that make sense? It does. I like the fact that you've identified that when someone accuses us, they are revealing their hearts to us. And I would assume then, and you hinted at this, that how we respond is a response from our heart. At least it should be, is that right? That's right, and the lovers of truth will will recognize this isn't
1: about me, this is yeah. about the other person. Yeah. The person's angry, they're hurt, they're upset. I'd like to explore that, or they could just be malicious like in a political campaign. They're not hurt and angry, upset. Yeah. They're just a manipulator, and you deal with them by basically not dealing with them, okay? You don't engage the person who is really toxic and just simply trying to injure and manipulate. You disengage, and you engage with the other people who are being influenced by the false allegations against you. And you see this happen in lots of settings. The righteous, the lights in the world, the people who are are living righteous and godly lives don't go about accusing, but their very righteous lives are lights that expose the destructiveness of the wicked. Mm. So Jesus was constantly being attacked and accused of things when he wasn't actually antagonizing anyone. He was simply living God's love and truth and and beneficence and showing how God's principles were to be practiced, which exposed the hypocrisy and the lunacy of the strange and crazy rules that the church leaders, the Pharisees, put on all the people. And so they constantly accused him of things. They accused him of driving out demons by the power of bells the prince of demons. They accused him of blasphemy. They accused him of unrighteous association with wine-bibbers and tax collectors and sinners. And they accused him of of not supporting God for not paying the, the temple tax and breaking of the Sabbath and all types of things they accused him of constantly because they couldn't stand that he didn't practice life the way they practiced it. So his living a better life and a more righteous life was a condemnation of them. And that's because sin naturally brings an internal conviction of guilt and inadequacy and a fear. The Bible tells us that. So people who are not living in harmony with God are struggling against their own consciences. And anybody who's living in harmony with God inflames their own self dissatisfaction. And rather than going and repenting, they will need to put out the lights. They will need to accuse. They will need to try to make the other person look bad. So they'll bring all types of accusations against the righteous in order to try and defame them and get the public to turn against them.
0: Boy, the way you describe this, Dr. Jennings, it really is something that we can take to heart. Because when we are being accused, we're not necessarily hearing the truth. We are not necessarily hearing voices of love coming in our direction, just the opposite. We are hearing voices of hate and of of dislike and of also voices of mistrust. We shouldn't try to respond in ways that support what they're trying to accomplish, is what I hear you saying. Am I right? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Now, let me cut down to the
1: heart motive issue here. Yes. All of Satan's powers, including the power of accusation, is designed to inflame fear in the heart of the person who's being accused. Fear of punishment, fear of rejection, fear of retaliation, fear of loss of power, position, respect, whatever. And the fear is part of the sin problem. As soon as the enemy sinned, they ran and hid because they were afraid. Fear causes us to become more selfish, to watch out, to protect self, to retaliate. And that is the whole trap of accusation, to get the righteous to use the methods of this world to try and protect themselves, to survive, rather than going to God and say, I'm being accused falsely Lord. I'm going to have to put this outcome in your hands. Give me love in my heart for my enemy. Pray for those who spitefully abuse us, as the Bible says. And don't allow this accusation to inflame fear in my heart that I struggle with already. I don't want to be driven by fear and controlled by fear. I want to love you and love my enemies and be free of these manipulations from my enemy that accuses me.
0: Oh, and what a beautiful example Christ gave us during his trial and persecution and his crucifixion on the very things you're saying, Dr. Jennings. And love is the key. That's we must access in, in relationship with God because love casts out the fear.
1: And then we trust God with our lives and the outcome of the various things in our life so that we don't feel the need to try and control them. We trust the Lord with that. So it's the love and trust in the Lord that
0: is going to give us the power to stand up to the accusations. Hmm. CommonReason.com is the website, ladies and gentlemen. You will find a lot of resources, these programs to listen to as podcasts, also Dr. Jennings' books, The God-Shaped Brain, The God-Shaped Heart, The Aging Brain, and some sharing tracks and how you can listen live each week to a Bible study class that Dr. Jennings has down there in the area where he lives in Tennessee. You will enjoy sharing God's love and understanding God's love and getting to know God on a whole new level by visiting that comeandreason.com website and also enjoying Dr. Jennings' resources he's made available there. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, this program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone.